Good evening, Triple M family, and welcome to an all-new episode of What the Friday. Now, is it just me, or did this week fly by, like, really quick? When I went to bed last night, I realized it would be Friday today, and I hadn't even written this episode yet. I had done my research, and I made some notes, but it hadn't been all put together. So, I was sitting here at, like, 6 o'clock this morning writing this episode but now i'm ready to bring it to y'all tonight so i've got some sinus stuff going on so i'm apologizing in advance if i sound a little rough or wonky but anyway tonight's episode is about a sibling who killed his little sister and we've talked in the past about moms who kill their children and dads who have done the same but tonight we're going a little darker Welcome to What the Friday, an after-dark series presented by Mystery, Murder, and Magic. Listener discretion is advised. So tonight I'm telling y'all the story of an 18-year-old named Keith Randallich. Keith was not one who you would easily have guessed to think that he would kill a sibling. He was your everyday average American teenager. He got good grades. And he was an overall good kid, and he was due to graduate from high school the week following the murder he committed. On May 22, 2009, in Mokina, Illinois, four-year-old Sabrina Clement had been left at home with her two older brothers while their parents and another brother went to a high school or a school function. Sabrina loved and adored her brothers, and they all seemed to get along just fine by all accounts and appearances. I mean, I know there was probably that normal sibling conflict that happens from time to time, but nobody would think that anything horrible would take place that night. Now, a 16-year-old brother, he was up in his room playing video games, and I'm sure if he's like Alex, that his headset was on and he was talking to his gaming buddies. He had no idea anything sinister was taking place in his home. So, while this brother is playing video games, 17-year-old Keith leads Sabrina down the stairs to the basement there in the family's home. Well, once in their case, in their basement, Keith tells Sabrina to lie down on the floor, and after she dies, he pulls out a steak knife, and he starts slashing her throat. There's a lot more to it, and I'm going to get to that. But in the midst of all of that, she cries out, Why are you killing me? And even though that baby was crying out, he just continued until little Sabrina is dead. Well, after he killed her, he went back upstairs and he called 911 a total of three times. Now, each time he's on the phone with dispatchers, he's only on long enough to say a few words and then disconnects the call. On the first call, all he said was, Come over quick. And then a few minutes later, he called back and said, get over here. Now, after that second call, he goes out to the front door and he nervously awaits for help to arrive. But when they're not getting there quick enough, he placed a third call to 911. Well, finally, police arrive and Keith is waiting at the door to let them in. As he's letting them in, they notice that Keith is covered in blood. Blood was all over his pants. It was all over his socks, his sweatshirt, and his face and hands. Keep in mind that 16-year-old brother still has no clue 
that any of this has occurred and doesn't know that the police are there until he saw the flashing blue lights outside his window. And at that point, he comes out of his room, comes downstairs, and this is the first time he's aware that something bad has happened and he asks what's going on. Well, at that point, police ordered both of the boys to get on the ground. I'm sure the 16-year-old is thinking, what the hell is going on? But he does as he's told. Both of the boys were handcuffed and searched for any weapons. And after no weapons were found on either of the boys, Keith tells them that it, referring to the steak knife, is in the room with her. And after emergency responders found that little Sabrina was dead, investigators started searching the house. And in the kitchen, they found blood droplets on the floor, in the sink, and counters, and that blood was already starting to dry. There was also blood covering a phone and blood drops on the carpet on the stairs leading to the basement. Keith and the 16-year-old brother was both taken into custody, and once they were at the police station, the 16-year-old brother, he was questioned first. And he literally had no idea what had happened. He knew nothing that would help in the investigation, so they basically just let him go. However, Keith, when he began to talk, his story was quite chilling. Now, he was very cooperative with those interrogating him. He was polite. He was well-mannered. Not your average murderer. So after asking Keith if he needed a drink or a bathroom break, the officers let him, or they left him in the room for like over 11 minutes. And the entire time that he's in there alone, he barely makes any movement. And when the investigators return, the interview starts off with a little small talk. One asks if he's a senior in high school and getting ready to graduate. Keith matter-of-factly just answers with, I was. Like he's already accepted his fate and he knows that his life has now changed forever. And then he goes on to admit that he was doing something bad by saying that he didn't do this for no reason. When the investigators start asking questions about that day, Keith starts by telling them that he had had a conversation with his mom that afternoon. He stated that he was planning on moving out, and his mom told him that he could stay, and then he admits that he really didn't want to move out. He tells the investigators that he had just gotten a firearm permit the week before, and that he wanted to purchase a firearm, but his mom wouldn't allow it. So, he uses the tactic of saying that he wants to move out to a friend's house as leverage, hoping that his mom would just give in and let him buy the firearm. He then made it clear to the officers that he wanted the firearm because he believed that his little sister, Sabrina, was being abused. When he couldn't purchase the firearm to kill the person abusing her, he kills her instead, and he says it's to protect her. And that's his words, not mine. These claims that Sabrina was being assaulted or abused has never been found to be true, though. So on that night, it was actually the 16-year-old boy that was supposed to be watching Sabrina. But Keith said that he would watch her. And the two, Keith and Sabrina, went to the basement, which was also his bedroom. They watched SpongeBob SpongeBob together for a little while. And then Sabrina wanted to paint with him. And that's when Keith told her to lie down on the floor. And then he would paint with her. But at that point, he took out the knife. He'd had the knife in his hoodie pocket, 
and it had been there since about five minutes before he told his brother that he would watch her. And he admitted that he had told his brother that he would watch her so that he could kill her, and he had been thinking about killing her since when his mom said that he couldn't buy the firearm. Now, as Keith starts going into detail about how he killed her, he asks the cops if he'll have to repeat the information in court. I mean, maybe he's worried about his parents having to hear it, or that he's ashamed of what he's done. And his body language starts showing that he's nervous or anxious. He starts wringing his hands constantly. Keith says that once Sabrina laid down, he told her that he loved her, and then he took out the knife. First, he made a small cut, and she was begging him to stop, but he continued. During this, Sabrina is still talking to him, asking him, why are you killing me? And he still continued. When she stopped talking to him, but he could see that she was still breathing, he ran upstairs and made that first call to 911. After that first call, he came back downstairs into the basement to check on her. And this is when he realized that Sabrina was no longer alive. After hanging up from his second call to 911, they called back, meaning 911 called back. And that's when he told them that there had been a murder. He also admitted in the interrogation that after he realized that she was dead, he gave her a kiss and told her, I'm sorry, I had to do this. Well, at this point, investigators take a long break and leave Keith in the room by himself. Once they return, they start questioning him about how it made sense to him that killing Sabrina was protecting her. And this is when Keith mentions that this could have been premeditated. And this, of course, piques the officer's attention, and they want him to expand on that. Well, Keith explains to them that he had started thinking about doing the murder around 3.30 that afternoon and carried out his plan a few hours later and goes on to say that she wasn't or that he wasn't suffering from temporary insanity. So now the investigators start putting on a little pressure because they believe that he is lying about something because his motive just doesn't make sense. And you know, it really doesn't make sense at all. He continues to blame someone for assaulting her and that's when investigators ask him if he himself meaning Keith had ever had an inappropriate relationship with his sister well Keith is clearly confused by this and it takes him a good little bit to understand what they mean by that but as he continues to state that someone was assaulting or abusing Sabrina and that's why he killed her the investigators are clearly getting frustrated start asking him about what he's not telling them. Investigators tell him that what he's done to Sabrina and in her life is far worse than whatever the other person was supposedly doing to her, but he defends his actions by saying that it only took about four minutes and she's no longer in any pain. This polite kid is starting to sound like a psychopath. Investigators ask him if he ever tried talking to anyone like school counselors or DCFS and he says that when he tried to talk to his parents about it they just laughed at him and told him to not be a snitch and investigators continue to press him for more information and they even tell him that they can tell that he's holding something back and in an effort to get Keith to tell them everything Keith goes on and on like about 
how much he loves his sister. But then he brings up the argument over the firearm again with his mom. He tells investigators that over a week before the murder, his mom had asked him to watch Sabrina that night while she, his stepfather, and 14-year-old brother attend that school function. But after the argument, she asked the 16-year-old to watch Sabrina instead. And he stated that she wasn't friendly to him at all, at all but he, she did bring dinner to him. He quickly adds at the end that that argument had nothing to do with what he did. Several times throughout the interrogation, he says that he couldn't instead kill whoever he thought was assaulting Sabrina with that knife because they were bigger and stronger than him. None of this is making sense to the investigators at all, and they continue to ask pointed questions in an effort to get Keith to crack. But Keith sticks to his story that he was protecting Sabrina. The officers take another break, and while they're out, an, another officer and an evidence technician come in with some clean clothes for Keith to change into so they can collect the bloody clothes that he's wearing, and they also take a few photos of him. Well, while Keith is being interrogated shortly after 9 p.m., Keith's parents and brother return home only to find a crime scene. Now, can you imagine what must have, that was, blah, I can't talk, what that must have been like for them? I mean, you think everything's okay, but when you pull into your driveway, there's crime scene tape and a yard full of police cars. And the investigator on the scene told them what had happened and that both of their sons were in custody. And when the parents were interviewed, Keith's stepfather told investigators that for a while, Keith had been that, like acting weird, just behaving oddly. But he had always been a quiet kid who kept to himself mostly, and he didn't have a whole lot of friends. But when investigators talked to his mom, Anne, she had a very, very different story. She told him that Keith didn't get along with anyone or like anyone in the family, except for Sabrina, and he would often say mean things to hurt other family members. There had actually been some physical violence between her and Keith. She went on to say that she never saw any evidence of abuse or assault to Sabrina. Keith was found psychologically fit to stand trial, but a doctor did find that he would add this personality disorder but that particular disorder it was never specified when Keith was talked to he did enter what they call a blind plea of guilt to first degree murder and what that basically means is that he entered a guilty plea without knowing what his sentence would be like they had not been any plea bargains you know anything like that in 2011, he was sentenced to 40 years in prison, and not one single member of his family or any of the few friends that he had attended his sentencing. Not 40 years is straight time, which means he doesn't have the possibility of parole, and he can't get out early for good behavior. Now he's 30 years old, and he's serving his sentence at Pontiac Correctional Institute. Now, originally I had planned on talking about more sibling murders, but this one story really gets to me and so I'm just going to stop right here and I may do you know future episodes on sibling murders but anyway that's all I have for tonight y'all have a good weekend and don't forget to come back on Monday for part three of the days of our murders <laughs>